0: Looking to sound like you know what's going on in the world? Social strategy, comedy, and other funny stuff? Well, join the club and settle in for the Jeff Dwaskin Show. It's not the podcast we deserve, but the podcast we all need. With your host, Jeff Dwaskin.
1: All right. Shia! Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. As always, you get the show going. All right. Everybody, welcome to episode 20 of the Jeff Duoskin Show. So excited to have you for our 20th episode. And for number 20, we've got a special guest in the house today, James Healy Jr., all the way from Texas. Big actor, big actor. He's been on Law and Order, Will and Grace, Even Stevens, Dynasty, you name it, he's been on it. Yes, and he is here, and we're going to chat all about his career, and you're going to hear some stories, and you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Speaking of loving things, you know who loves me? My wife, because she bought a towel bar, and I didn't hire someone to install it. I put it up myself in the bathroom. That's right. I drilled, I hammered, I used levels. I've taped templates and now two towels hang proudly in our bathroom. And every time I walk by, I'm like, yeah, those aren't sliding off because of me, because I knew what to do, because I'm a handyman. I'm a handyman. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just got me one of those hammers. Thank God they sponsored one of my earlier shows and I was able to hammer stuff and drill stuff. So I'm ready. I'm, I'm a regular handyman around the house now, so that's, that's new for me. Speaking of sponsors, this week's sponsor, two-pound hand weights. Yes, two-pound hand weights. You wouldn't have that dent in the floor next to the treadmill if it wasn't for your two-pound hand weights. They seemed like a good idea at the time. All right, so get, get yourself some two-pound hand weights. They're uh, great for working out and putting on top of things if you're outside and there's wind. So there's lots of uses for two-pound hand weights. No reason you shouldn't go out and get one. Please support the sponsor. That's how we keep the lights on here at the Jeff DeWoskin Show. And now it's time for a social media tip. I really, I, I should invest in professional segways. But hey, I'm excited. Maybe this isn't social media, it's just phone, smartphone related. But I got into the new iOS 14 and while there's lots of cool things like widgets and all that kind of cool stuff, the coolest thing I think that I'm going to use the most once the widget phase wears off is this back tap thing. So I set up my phone. So if I tap it twice on the back, it takes a screenshot. So that's, it's an accessibility feature. So if you go to your settings and then to accessibility, And then you click on touch and you scroll down to the bottom. There's a thing called back tap. And if you turn it on, you can set a double tap and a triple tap. So my double tap is screenshot. So I said double tap to screenshot. So anytime I just go tap, tap on the back of my phone, it takes a screenshot. And that keeps, that's very good for me because I usually, I'm holding the one button and then I always hit the wrong one. I keep turning my phone off every time I try to take a screenshot. So this is amazing. This is the best thing ever to me. So check it out. Check out Back Tap, and you can double tap and triple tap. And that's on iOS phones, folks. I'm sure Android's had that for years, but now we can enjoy it too. And that's the social media slash phone tip of the week. And now, here's my conversation with James Healy Jr. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with one of the finest actors of our day. (laughs) You may have seen him on Law & Order, Will & Grace, 24, Judging Amy, a million other shows I'm sure we'll talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, James Healy Jr., Yay. Welcome to the show! Yay! <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm the best actor that you will know today.
1: <laughs> yes, this is uh, James is the best actor I could book for the show at this moment. <laughs> oh, oh, that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> that hurt. Ah! <laughs> You're like you can just come back with, "Well, this is the best show I could get on." <laughs> so.
0: Only show right now.
1: <laughs> I am good. I am good. I am Good to have you here. I'm- I. Happy I want to be hear,
0: here. Thank you so much.
1: I want to hear everything. I know you're, you're an actor. You've been in like a million things and love to go through some of those and talk about those. But I also know that for like 32 years, you were you're a cop. You were chief of police. You're in the real kind, not on uh, Law & Order. <laughs> you were on Law & Order, but you were actually Law & Order. So how did you how did you kind of weave being a cop and being an actor and leaving the force and going full time?
0: I was a theater major in high school and college. I had no desire or intention to become a police officer. Um, I was going to be a Broadway star or a movie star or just an actor. And um, did high school uh, theater and then college theater. Uh, shout out to my, my buddy Lou Diamond Phillips. We were in college together, a good friend of mine. And um, I met my wife. And uh, when I used to do stand-up, one of my jokes were that when we met, we both said those three magic words. Mine were, I love you. Hers were, get a job.
1: <laughs>
0: so uh, two of my best friends had become police officers. And I thought, yeah, I could do that for a little while. Little did I know that while I continued to do my acting career, I would also be a police officer for a little over 31 years. Uh, And as you stated, my last uh, six years as a chief of police.
1: That's pretty cool. So did you consult at all on any of the shows, being a a real cop and knowing... How to hold a gun and arrest people and do Miranda rights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I've, I've done all of that. Uh, in fact, I did an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger one time. And uh, Noble Willingham, uh, God rest his soul, what a lovely man. He could not get out the Miranda warning. He's trying to screw his revolver into this guy's ear. You got the right to remain silent. And I don't know what the hell the next line is, you know. And uh, Chuck Norris actually turned to me and went, Because he knew I was a cop. And he went, James, does he really have to say the whole thing? And I'm like, unless he's going to ask him questions, no. So they just had him start, you've got the right to remain silent, anything. And then Chuck came up and interrupted him and and stopped him from shooting the guy or doing whatever he was going to do to him as he had him uh, on the back of a car. So I guess I saved the day there. And then um, I did a movie uh, called uh, Trial by Fire. And Ed Zwick, who directed uh, Glory... With Denzel Washington and Matthew Broderick, Courage Under Fire, Uh, with Denzel again and Lou, uh, Meg Ryan, oh my gosh, so many other things. Uh, He knew because of Lou when I was on set with him that I was a police officer. And he came over to me and said, Hey, uh, James, you're a cop. How does this scene play to you? And I told him, I said, Well, honestly, um, since you didn't write the script, I don't have to worry about offending you. This is not how we would do it. The, The way it was written is I basically walked up to a guy who was accused of murder and go, uh, hey, get out of the car. You're under arrest for murder. You know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. Get out of the car, sir. You're going to jail. Yeah. You know, you've jail, killed somebody, so
0: step on out. So <laughs> I, I told them what we would do, but I also said, because I'm an actor, I know that we cannot you know, do a, a full-fledged felony traffic stop. It would take too long. So we're able to compromise something in between so that people like me watching the show would go, well, that was done well. In fact, the guy that was driving the police car that I was in and the other two guys in the other squad car who made the stop were all uh, marshals, police officers, retired officers. They didn't know I was. They just thought I was some actor. And we we set it up to rehearse it to see if the director was going to like it. And when we were done, the guy driving my car, who went, well, you, you did that really well. You, you didn't even stumble over the lines. You, you you know handled exactly. And I went, well, I'm a cop. And he's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, So I I impressed them because they didn't know I was a police officer. And I just uh, was in Oklahoma on a uh, movie called uh, Ida Red, starring Melissa Leo and Josh Hartnett. And I was the uh, on-set advisor and armorer for that. My job was to help the actors, acclimate them with the weapons, uh, how to use them, how to load them if there's a a misfeed or a jam or anything. Uh, So, yeah, I've used my expertise i guess you could say a few times
1: that's pretty cool i've shot i shot a gun once like a pistol and like i always every time i <laughs> watch a movie i'm like oh it's amazing and in the movies there's there's no kickback <laughs> yeah
0: yeah a lot of well, the blanks don't have quite the the load that uh, a real round will have um and then a lot of them are like the set i was just on one of the 45s it wasn't it's not even a 45 caliber. It's a blank shooting weapon, and it's shooting an eight millimeter blank. So you don't you don't even want to show the round ejecting because a a real person that knows what they're looking at, any kind of a weapons person, would know that's not a forty five shell coming out uh, with the ejector.
1: Yeah, that'd be me. I'd be like, that's not a that's not your standard forty five being ejected.
0: Yeah. You have no idea. You're just just making that
1: up as you go. I'd be like, ah, that looks like a a 42 or a 46. Definitely not a 45.
0: Is it Mr. Mom? Mr. Mom 220, 221, whatever it takes.
1: takes. (laughs) Wait, so, uh, Texas, uh, Walker Texas Ranger. How much time did you get to spend with Chuck Norris? Is he badass in person, or does he play that? Is he always doing karate or whatever?
0: No, no. Um, he's really nice. Uh, I did probably, I guess, four episodes. They brought me back a couple of times as the same DPS trooper a couple of times. And then uh, they brought me in uh, for a guest star role uh, where I was a bad guy. And um, it was funny because they give you these, uh, your sides when you show up, you know, you get the script so that you can work on the lines before in the scenes. But when you show up, they give you this, uh, they're called minis. They're just a shrunken, full page. It's down to, and you know, to a, I don't know, uh, like a notepad size. And I didn't get a copy of the minis when I got there. Cause I only had in this, this day, I had seen her to the day before. And then we came back the second day. I had like one paragraph in one line and he was supposed to come off with some, you know, you've done this and you're this and this and blah, blah, blah. You be careful, blah, blah, blah. As he's interrogating me. And that was all cut, and I didn't know. So he—he he, all he does is he leans in, he puts his foot up on the uh, bench that I'm sitting on, pretending to have my hands cuffed behind my back, and he goes, "Tell me about the yakuza, which is a Japanese crime, you know, group." And there's this big pause, and I've got my head down. I finally, I just kind of look up at him, like, "Are you going to?" And I finally did. I went, "Is that all you say?" <laughs> he looked at me and he pulled his minis. as i goes yeah this is it. and he's i said oh, i'm sorry i didn't get the i didn't get the rewrites for the day so yeah no he's a nice guy they, they were all very pleasant to work with
1: very cool very cool and then you were on news radio was that the phil hartman era ah, yes yes what what a
0: Uh, What a light he was. Um, Him and Stephen Root both. and Thank God Stephen Root's still around and working hard. Uh, Stephen made me feel so welcome from the moment I was on set. Uh, Phil was your stereotypical stand-up comedian. Um, He is very outgoing when he has an audience, but yet he was very shy and quiet when there wasn't anything going on. I was playing the role of Snake Guy. It was a Halloween episode. And so we've Locked it, we've rehearsed it, we've gone over it a few times and nothing. Well, the snake, which was this huge, I don't know, probably eight foot long, seven, eight foot long uh, boa, shows up. I'm playing with it, getting used to it, uh, you know, wrapping it around me, learning how to handle it properly. And he comes over and starts petting the snake and starts talking to me. And it was so it was the snake was the icebreaker. And then once I had the snake and the ice was broken, we started talking. Uh, we broke for dinner. Uh, he came and sat with me at dinner and we spoke some more. And then, of course, we went back and got in front of a live audience to shoot. Uh, I was actually living in Los Angeles for six years. And uh, while I was there, that's that's when his wife took his life it was such a tragedy. What a what a talent and what a uh, a gracious man.
1: Such a tragedy. That was. It's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. So, um, so that that whole cast though was pretty amazing, right? Did you, Joe Rogan? If to if you had stayed in touch, you could you could have been on his podcast, not mine.
0: <laughs> yeah, Joe was. Joe was. Um, I I guess he was fine. I didn't really him and Andy Dick and uh, was it Mara Tierney? Didn't Dave Foley. Yeah, Dave Follin didn't really have a lot of interaction with. Uh, it was pretty much Steven Root uh, and then uh, and Phil Hartman. The others, I mean, they were there, don't get me wrong, uh, but I didn't have a lot of interaction with them.
1: Steven Root is a hoot. I mean, on Barry and then just like Dodgeball, my favorite movie ever. Yeah, he's great <laughs> he's, on Barry. He's so I love funny. Barry. He's, and know? he plays just the flip side, like total yeah. dork, total...
0: Yeah, him and Henry Winkler uh, both... And we'll talk about another really great guy, Henry Winkler. I I haven't never got to work with him, but I ran into him at the airport. I was standing there at the kiosk getting ready to stick my driver's license in to get my ticket. And I heard this very meek voice beside me go to the person at the next kiosk, go, "Uh, pardon me, are, are you through with that one? If you don't mind, I could step in. And I was like, I know that voice. That's Henry Winkler. And I turned around and there he was. And I was like, holy crap. Uh, I've had a few of those moments in in my career. Uh, when you're walking onto set, you know you're expecting it. Just just like this movie I'm getting ready to do, which I'm not allowed to talk about. There's a couple of big name people on it. I think the biggest oh my gosh moment. Uh, I was sitting at a restaurant on Ventura Boulevard called Maria's, and I sat down in this uh, little booth. It was one of those, you know, the old type diners where one wall is just a long row of a solid booth with tables and then the other side has a couple of chairs. Well, I sat down on the booth side. So there was another table beside me to my right. And I looked at the guy that I had gone there with, who was raised in California. And I said, all right, Brad, you've, you've been here. What's good on the menu. And this voice to my right said, my wife and I've been coming here for years and you can't go wrong with anything on the menu. And I looked to my right to say, well, thank you. And I didn't, I just looked and I went, you're Dick Van Dyke. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like
0: he didn't know, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yes, I am, and I'm like, holy crap! Uh, I mean, uh it is so real. Oh my gosh! I just, I didn't know what to say. I made a total fool of myself. That's a, yeah,
1: that's, uh, yeah. That, was,
0: that was a huge oh my gosh moment. That's Dick Van Dyke. Yeah,
1: that's how I felt when I, I I met Henry Winkler twice. Once at an event, and that's how I was like overtaken by the fact that I was standing there with the fans because he was such yeah. a a big deal growing up and. I met him once again at Comic-Con because I wanted an autograph. And it was actually just a year or two ago. I think it was his first time at a Comic-Con. The line was ridiculous, like where they had the line and then they they had to separate the line because it was too big. And he knew how to work on that crowd (laughs) because he knew we were gonna have to wait like 30 minutes. He would walk and come talk to us. He would take five minutes out and come talk to us in the B in the backup line Mm -hmm. (laughs) shake our hands thank you guys thank you guys because he knows we're all worth 30 60 bucks each to him he wants to keep us there but yeah he's such a nice guy you don't uh, just in general you don't meet nice people like that i mean james healy jr but then well I'm i'm a lovely
0: individual yeah so
1: but that's just don't cool. get on
0: my bad side,
1: Mister. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Oh my god! I just, I just watched the uh, original pilot to the Incredible Hulk <laughs> the other day with was, Bill Bixby. Version? No, with Bill Bixby. Oh my yeah.
0: gosh! Is it really campy? Because I mean, I can just, I can just picture it's dated, so it has to be kind of campy.
1: The show itself was great, but the Hulk stuff was clearly dated. But you could tell it was as good as it could have been for then. You know, yeah. does that mean, you know what I mean? But the show itself, I thought the structure, yeah, like it was, it was a fun watch. I ended up watching like a few episodes. That's funny. That's funny you mentioned Luke
0: Ferrigno as the Hulk.
1: Yes. Urr. Okay. So talk about your Dallas Dynasty General Hospital Bold and the Beautiful Face. You, you did, a, you've done a lot of soap operas. Um, did, you, did you get slapped? you get slapped a lot? No, no
0: my, my, my <laughs> very first One Well, they were back-to-back, so I guess you could say they were both the same. Um, Again, I started acting when I was in high school. I got my first agent, I was 16, maybe going on 17, a lady named Peggy Taylor in Dallas. And they used to come here and and shoot the TV series Dallas for the exterior and specific places they had to be. But they would go back to Los Angeles to film things that were on sets. My very first one-liner was... on the Who Shot Jr." episode of Dallas in 1980, the most-watched television show at that time ever. And yeah. they, they cut the scene. So uh, oh, you basically no. saw me walk past the camera. I went from being a, a one-liner to, <laughs> to a background actor. That's that's why if you look on my IMDb, it says uncredited, because once they cut your scene and there's no dialogue, they can then remove you from the credits. So uh, it's, it's, on, it's, it's on there it was, I think it was headed by my manager, just, as uncredited you know so that's okay it was it was pretty cool at the time and and um larry hagman wasn't even there uh, he was uh, in london he was disputing that summer he was disputing his contract so they had a guy named ace freely i think was his name he's a local dallas actor on the gurney wheeling him into the hospital and what's funny is if you watch the last episode oh, into the last season he gets shot outside of his office door and just falls to the ground well when they <laughs> him in on the stretcher than the, he's got his head all bandaged and it's like he did they bang his head around in the ambulance or something because there, there's no reason to have his head bandaged we saw him fall to the carpeted floor he's fine you know other than gunshot wound, obviously
1: right under the other, other than the the bullet in his body
0: yeah <laughs> but i mean come on don't be a whoosh. there's no reason to yeah. wrap up your head
1: but that that's pretty awesome though because like in the time like that was like probably one of the biggest cliffhangers is probably still one of the biggest of oh, all time
0: people, all summer long, all I, summer
1: I, long. people yeah. still reference that to this day it's been decades right i mean it's yeah. been, it's yeah,
0: been that, that. that went on all summer long so let's see bold and the beautiful general hospital i did an episode of passions uh that was during my time in los angeles we um my wife and i we've been married 30 little over 36 years now but we moved out to la and uh, i booked a job right away I did a couple of, you know, little indie things and some television things. I did one of those ABC after school type specials uh, directed by a, a man named Sean McNamara, who one of his major films that you might remember is Soul Surfer. That's where the young lady gets her arm bit off by the shark.
1: Uh, oh, sure.
0: surfboard. Yeah, But he does a lot of those kind of films. Uh, he's directing the film that I'm going back to Oklahoma to do uh, next week. I started doing what's called workshops and when I was in Los Angeles, and that's just an opportunity to get in front of a casting director and network, hear their pet peeves, what they like, how they handle their auditions, you know, so you get a better feel of what they do. So when you do get to audition for them. And through those, I was fortunate enough to start getting some auditions. I was brought in and did two episodes of General Hospital. The first one, I got, because the casting director, Mark Teshner, he calls me and he says, hey, James, I know you're from Texas originally, but can you do a New Orleans accent? And I said, well, I can't do Cajun. He goes, no, no, I just need something that resembles, so I said, okay, yeah, sure. And he goes, all right, go ahead. And I'm like, uh, now? And he goes, yeah. Uh, w- w- what do you want me to say? And this is on the phone. And he goes, I-, I don't care, anything. So I just went, we all just need to come on down here to Louisiana. We'll have ourselves a barbecue out back. We'll have a good time. Something like, yeah, that's good enough. That's good enough.
1: So, so, so Bobby, foosball is foosballs for the devil.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, this acting stuff is getting easier and easier. I just get an audition basically over the phone. I had to go in and meet with him, but that's how it started. The Bold and the Beautiful, I was playing the stage manager on a couple episodes where they do their fashion show every year. I got to wear my hairpiece, uh, so I got to look a little younger. Because you're on a soap. They want you to, you know, unless you're gonna really going to be a character, they want you to at least, you know, be semi-attractive. I think I did one episode of Young and the Restless, and I told the lead actor that his sperm had been stolen from the lab. I was playing a doctor, and he called in to check on his sperm sample. And this is a podcast, so I'm assuming we can say sperm. Uh,
1: you can say sperm, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, so I had to explain to him that his sample was gone. Oh, Dynasty. Now, Dynasty, I just did a few years ago. That's the new Dynasty uh, that's on the CW channel. Fun. Yeah. And uh, that just came through just through my Atlanta agent. I got to play. uh, It was the character was originally written, described as the angry neighbor or the disgruntled neighbor, something like that, which, you know, as an actor, when you show up and your character is named Steve or Terry or, you know, Bob. Uh, you're a little happier than when it says cop number two or janitor.
1: <laughs>
0: if you right. have a name, it just makes you feel better. Even if it's still only five lines or two days worth of work, it makes you feel better that your character has a name.
1: I can hear you. I, I believe it. I believe it. How did you tell him his sperm was stolen?
0: Oh, my God, I don't know. Uh, he,
1: there had to be been some dramatic music with that. Yeah, so and, he was, and, and here's what sperm, was interesting.
0: I, I didn't know they was... did this because it was the first time I'd ever done... A phone scene on a soap, so when the phone rang, I picked it up, going, You know, lab, and there was this voice, and i <laughs> and it caught me off guard. I didn't know that they had him on a phone I didn't see the guy, I never met the guy, you know they had him on a phone, like I said, sixty feet away from me, going, oh, this is uh. I can't think of his name now, but this is blah, 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 and I was calling to check on, you know, whether my sample has been used for insemination, and I'm like, let me check, and I pull it up, I go, uh, sir, I'm sorry, but your sample shows to have been removed from the lab, or something like that, and of course there was this dun-dun-dun, pause, and then, you know, he's, what? What are you talking about? I... I don't know I just basically we just gave
1: you. it to your arch enemy yeah exactly that? so he could make a series of clones of you the, oh, no. the woman
0: who you hate is going to have seven of your babies now
1: <laughs> <laughs> they could have been like ring ring um hey uh, quick question you happen to pick up your sperm no <laughs> well well bad news yes yeah, it's missing has... <laughs> it's missing and um yeah we're gonna need you to uh, maybe send over some come more come back in and, and give us another <laughs> sample
0: <laughs> Uh <laughs> we'll we'll have videotapes and magazines. Just come give us a hey, sample.
1: Look at me. I could write soap operas. I'm going to write you I'm going to write you a soap opera. Okay. Gonna, it's going to be like uh, I am going to I'll call the publicist. I forgot a James Healy Jr. Uh, vehicle.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> but instead page. of like bold and the beautiful it had to be yeah. bold and the something.
1: Yeah. Bald and the beautiful, it can still be bald. I, I, can, in I
0: can still, am I? What does Spongebob say? Am I a pretty girl? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could, we can do we can make this work. It's our show. <laughs>
0: that's it, that's it. I can be pretty in my own eyes, that's all that matters.
1: That's right, it's all good. It's all good. Okay, so you were speaking of uh, speaking of doctors, Dr. Hansen on Power Rangers I'm Lightspeed right. Rescue. I've got to admit. I didn't watch the Power Rangers. So Dr. Hanson, well, he's the guy that invented the Power Rangers? something
0: no, so like No, <laughs> no. He's, he's,
1: he's just like, a guy. Oh, I just make up plots in case I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sure, It sounds a lot better, and I would have probably had a lot more episodes. No, uh, I'm just a guy that gets off a helicopter with a um, metal case handcuffed to my wrist when suddenly explosions happen and lizard... Lobster-looking people attack, and then the Power Rangers go, 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 Rangers, and they turn into their Rangers and, and beat them up, and we ride off into the Jeep. So, I didn't even want to do that because this is how, this is how sad it was. A friend that I knew that was a regular on the show, he played the father of the Pink Rangers, called and said, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow?" And of course, being from Texas, my first thought was, "Well, I don't own a pickup truck, so he's not asking me to help him move." So I was like, so I was like um, not, no, no real plans. And he goes, how'd you like to be on an episode of Power Rangers? We've got a guy that was supposed to be there. He fell and broke his leg or something like that. And I said, dude, I didn't say it, but I felt that like, I'm a serious actor. You know, I'm a thespian. And he went... Well, they're going to pay more than scale, and it only works for one day, and you probably be in, in and out within three, uh, three or four hours because it's just one scene. And I went, I, I said, well, basically, you had me at more than scale. So, <laughs> what time do
1: I need to be there?
0: <laughs> and for those that don't know, scale is the minimum wage for an hour, and at that time, it was probably like six fifty or six eighty five a day. Now it's like a thousand and thirty dollars for a day's work on a full blown SAG project.
1: Did you at least get some good pictures with uh, the Power Rangers? In, in costume, I mean.
0: Well, if they're in costume, then they're little Japanese guys. So, uh, yeah, they're not not—they're not the actors dressed up. They're, you know, they're little Japanese guys wearing padded bras for being the pink and yellow ranger.
1: You've just ruined everything for me. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, a,
0: you can edit that part
1: out. Well, at least, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can edit that. We don't, we don't want to ruin it for everyone. Is like, <laughs> Um for those of you who uh I just edited out James Healy Jr. just um just ruined Santa Claus for everyone too. <laughs> yeah. But don't worry, I edited that part out. The <laughs> I,
0: I outed I outed the, the female Power Rangers in some yeah. way.
1: Oh man. So uh, I did see I saw you on on Will and Grace. That mm-hmm. that was cool. Mm-hmm. There you had a full head of hair. I saw that. And Will yep. tickled you. Will
0: does tickle me. And yeah. that that was That was a a great three days on set, blocking, rehearsing, and of course, taping in front of the audience. My scenes were with uh, Megan Mullaly and Eric McCormick, and Eric was great. If you saw the scene, you see where I say, sir, this is serious. We've been following, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was Megan Mullaly's husband who we ended up arresting for tax evasion, but uh, we've been following him and this and this, and he... He doesn't believe that we're FBI agents. He believes we're actors or someone that Megan Mullally's character, Karen Walker, sent over to mess with him. Because this whole episode, she's been, you know, having him come over to remove a piece of paper from the fax machine. He's like, I'm your lawyer. I'm not this, you know, I'm not that. So, he, you know, he tries to tickle me. Well, it just, I mean, nothing against Max and David. They're the creators and writers of the show. They're wonderful guys. But it just wasn't funny. It was this paragraph of me just doing this procedural law and order kind of speech. And so I said, Hey Eric, would you mind if we did something where we could get a laugh in this paragraph? And he's like, Well, what do you got in mind? And again, you know, here I am a nobody. So I probably should have just kept my mouth shut. But I said, Well I was thinking, you know, because you're tickling me, you're tickling me, what if I what if I giggle at some point and then compose myself and, and finish. And he goes, okay, okay, but don't tell anyone we're going to do it. Now this is during rehearsal, not during the taping. And I said, okay. So and Jim Burrows, the great Jim Burroughs is the director, a guy I would want to work with again. You know, he did all of friends, all of cheers, all of wings. You know, the guy's been around forever. And so I don't want to make the guy mad, but I'm thinking, okay, well, Eric's got my back on this. So we do the the speech, and he, you know, he does that, blah, 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 and he tickles me, and blah, blah 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 and he tickles me, and when he tickles me the third time, I think it is, I I let out this you know high pitched kind of a squeal, and then I composed myself and I I finished it, and Max and David are standing there, Jim Burrows is standing there, they all laugh, they think it's hysterical, but then Jim decides that he's going to have the female that I'm with, the female FBI agent grab me, pull me to the side, let me compose myself while she finishes the paragraph. And, you know, to give up, and it was one line, it was the very last line, to give up one line to get a laugh on a major network hit show, I would do it every day. I'll give up that line for a laugh on a hit show.
1: That's so Raven of you did you like that seg- did you like that segue
0: that was great and, and and next you'll be able to say so when you even steve into this out <laughs> as we go in, as we go into my disney phase
1: <laughs> oh that answer felt like it took 24 oh, oh.
0: <laughs> but only between 4 and 5 a.m.
1: <laughs> what happened between 4 and 5 a.m.? well that was an unsolved mystery <laughs>
0: Which led to the trial by fire, exactly, right,
1: exactly. So, uh, all right. It you want
0: to you want to talk about the Disney stuff?
1: What do you want to talk about? What's your greatest? I mean, you worked with Shia LaBeouf, even I Stevens. Did. I That's, did. Uh, he's uh, always in the news for <laughs> his eccentric behavior.
0: You know what? I. I I loved working with him. He was he was a great young kid. I, I didn't know what he was going through with his dad and living in a motel and stuff as, as he was trying to get discovered, And, you know. And it, it makes sense to a certain degree some of the things uh, based upon his family relations and the way he was raised and stuff. But um, he was just a young, eager, energetic young man uh, with a, just natural natural ability and talent and of course he's he's shown that again recently with uh uh the one where he has the young man with the down syndrome the peanut butter i haven't seen it oh my gosh you've got to you've got to and then uh and then honey boy which is basically the documentary that he wrote not a documentary it's a film that's based upon his life if you haven't seen honey boy both great films came out back to back uh so i'm very very proud of where he has come to where he was he came to that middle part yeah i mean when he was sitting in the um he was in not a museum uh an art exhibit with a bag over his head and having people come in and talk to him if i'd been in los angeles i would have walked in and just told him you know you know me you know i'm a police officer knock this crap off and get the damn bag off your head because he used to love the fact that i had been a police officer for years and we would sit in the green room before we would go tape and talk He, he thought that was really cool then he started, you know, getting himself in some trouble and having some issues, and he, you know, said some things and did some things. Have you seen Honey Boy? Did you see that one?
1: I haven't, but based on your recommendation, I will see it.
0: It is, it is, it is really, really good and he, very. He is fine. a great actor. He's oh, a he great is. actor. It's just he is. you know, I mean, <laughs> he is. He just has to pick the right projects, you know, and uh, obviously keep himself grounded and out of trouble. Uh, he loves doing indie things and taking chances and stuff. But uh, what an incredible talent. And he wrote, like I said, he wrote, he was arrested while they were filming this, God, I can't, Peanut Butter Falcon. That's the name of it. It's Peanut Butter Falcon. It's a movie about a, a young man, a Down syndrome young man who wants to be a wrestler. And uh, Shia, his character and him travel basically across the country, I think down into Florida, if I remember correctly. He got arrested if you, you watch the tapes of him being arrested, the body cams and being in the back of the squad car and just cursing and chewing out the uh, the policeman for doing his job. Uh, so while he was in rehab, he started doing some reflection and started writing. And that's that's where he wrote uh, The Honey Boy. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really good script and an incredible performance.
1: Well, that is an amazing story. <laughs> which oh you also were on uh, an episode of amazing stories mm-hmm. that's the new the new one on apple tv i take it yep the new
0: steven spielberg produced yeah i played uh i played a high school principal in that one
1: very cool yeah that that's probably that's a remake from like i don't know the 80s or 90s when they the original amazing stories but yeah. um all right let's i do have one question um mm-hmm. this is this one's my favorite title i'm sure it's not your favorite amongst your thing I'm, I'm sure you love all your babies but puppet master the littlest reich mm-hmm. <laughs> you like how i got Reich. <laughs> gotta, gotta put in the chutzpah <laughs> and uh, don't mess around <laughs> so how is that that's uh that must have been a nice little horror movie to be part of <laughs>
0: it it was it's the i guess really the only horror movie i've ever been in I read for one of the larger roles, and um, a lot of times what they do in indie films is they'll try to find a local actor that they like, that they want to use. They'll use us as leverage, I guess, for lack of a better term, to get a recognizable name or face to work that role for less money than they would probably normally do. Let's put it this way. That's what's been explained to me, but they liked me and they've used me in three other films since then. Uh, one of them's right now at the Venice film festival called run, hide fight. I did another one called seventh day. That's kind of a horror thriller movie with Guy Pierce. And then the other one was uh, incident at Sparrow Creek where I played a uh, SWAT team commander. But, yeah, Puppet Master, they liked me, so they wanted me to stay in the movie in some capacity. So they hired me to play Thomas Lennon's father. Of course, Thomas Lennon's, you know, well-known comedian and actor, writer. Um, He's the creator, him and his partner are creator behind Reno 911. He plays Lieutenant Dangle in his little tight shorts. Uh, And he does, uh, he wrote the Night of the Museum movies. Sure, sure. His partner, yeah. So uh, I'm only nine years older than thomas and so i played his dad and uh you know i was a little heavier i probably weighed about i weighed 190 195 now i was weighing around 225 back then and uh so they just grade me up and uh, put a little bit more uh, shadow under my eyes to make me look older and tired and uh tom and i had a had a great time
1: very cool well this has been fun i can't thank you enough for joining me this is great You've done so much. You've done so much. How can people keep up with you uh, on social media and stuff?
0: Um, the best way, obviously, I would say is probably Instagram. It's I'm easy to find. It's just James Healy Actor. And you can find me on Instagram or Twitter that way. And Healy is spelled H-E-A-L-Y.
1: Awesome. We're going to all hit you up. Stay in touch. Look for that new secret project you teased us with. And uh, maybe after that blows up, you'll come back and we'll chat about some more stuff. Thank you so much, James, and we'll see you next time. Well, that was fun. How awesome is James? He's done so much. I mean, think about that. He's gone toe-to-toe with Chuck Norris. He was there when JR was shot, and he's been tickled by Will from Will & Grace. I mean, that's a perfect, perfect career, and I can't wait to see what comes next that exciting new project he wouldn't tell us about. But we'll find out. We'll find out. It's coming soon. We'll look for it. All right, so you know what time it is. It's time for a trending hashtag from Twitter. The fun stuff that you can only find at hashtag Roundup in the hashtag Roundup app on Twitter. So here's a fun one, since we were talking about the iPhone earlier. Hashtag I wish my phone would and this was by Whoopi Cat and Jerry doing a sub game on hashtag Roundup. Really fun. Hashtag. I wish my phone would. <laughs> I bet you got some ideas going in your head right now. Well, here's some tweets I'm going to read to you. And they're all retweeted at Jeff Duaskin Show on Twitter. You can check them out, retweet them yourself. You also can find these funny tweeters in the show notes. All right. Here we go. Hashtag I wish my phone would automatically tell people, Hey, text, don't call. That's pretty obvious by now, isn't it? It should just be everyone's default voicemail. You should have text. You should have sent a text. I wish my phone would have a 500% battery life. That would be amazing, because that'd be like a 100 times more battery or something. I don't know. I'm not good at math. I wish my phone would stop changing swear words. I never mean ducking. (laughs) None of us ever mean ducking. I wish my phone would let me slap anyone that disagrees with me. Oh man, there would be a lot of slapping and a lot of phone lawsuits going on, I can, I can tell you that. I wish my phone would come with an umbrella. Ah, that would keep it from getting wet. And then the Apple store people wouldn't be all like, I'm sorry, we can't replace this battery, it shows water damage. And you'd be like, that's impossible, because I have the umbrella feature. It's <laughs> never gotten wet. I wish my phone would let me read the thoughts of my enemies. definitely reads my thoughts. Anytime I think of something, I see an ad for it. I wish my phone would print money. Yours doesn't? I wish my phone would clean the house, wash my clothes, and cook for me. (laughs) Wait a minute. I think you want your phone to be my wife. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding, honey. It was a joke. It was a joke. She's amazing. I love... Anyway, sorry. I apologize in advance. Don't send letters. And finally, I wish my phone would do my chemistry homework for me. But it doesn't work periodically. But- I'm bum. Ha <laughs> ha! That was a good one. All right. Well, sadly, we have come to the end of another amazing episode of The Jeff Dewaskin Show. I'm Jeff Dewaskin, your host. Please find us on Amazon Music, on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, do everything you can to help others find this gem of a podcast. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this
1: episode of The Jeff
0: Dwoskin Show with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Now go repeat everything you've heard and sound like a genius. Catch us online at the thejeffdwoskinshow.com or follow us on Twitter at Jeff Dwoskin Show, And we'll see you next time.